0: There are only two wills, God's will, God's will, and Satan's will, and that every will, every time you have a will that's not from God, some desire, some impulse, some issue that you want, and you think you're being independent, you're an independent thinker. You are not. You are not. You're being influenced by Satan. You're being influenced by Satan. And so I spent three weeks laying that out and speaking about how this is Satan's world, Satan is here, and I, and I, I demonstrated to you that, that he was thrown, cast to earth uh, eons ago, uh, and that for those of you who are interested in uh, listening to debates between uh, people who believe in the uh, young earth theory of creation versus people that believe in the old earth theory of creation, you can Google this man's name. You Ross, he's a Christian astrophysicist. He's a renowned expert in astrophysics, PhD, who has studied uh, astronomy and has concluded that when you study astronomy and you, you study uh, the relevant issues, that it's all within, it's clearly creation itself speaks of God. Every issue of it speaks of God. And so I would, if you're interested, he's, he debates often uh, the fellow that's coming to our church at the end of February, Ken Ham, okay? He's, he's got the creation museum. So as I said to you, um, I've given you a foundational basis so that you can listen to Ken Ham, and you've now been given some of the other ways of thinking about it, and you're free to evaluate it. Does any of this, in any way at all, uh, undermine our theology? No! All right. I don't care if you think the world is 6,000 years old, or you think it's 4 billion. It makes no difference whatsoever. We know that God created us in the Garden of Eden. When did the Garden of Eden take place? Well, God bless you if you think it's 6,000. Or God bless you if you think it was 100,000. It doesn't matter. You understand? It doesn't matter. But I want to give you a, a, a historical and scientific pretext so that you're free to evaluate these issues on your own and not get rattled. I don't want you to get rattled because I'm going to tell you something. I don't care what they come up with in science. It will never undermine my faith. Amen? God created science. What came first, science or God? Who do you think lit the fuse if it was the Big Bang? Somebody was there. You know, everybody, they all understand that, that some intelligent uh, design factor took place at the very beginning. So, however it took place, and obviously God has not laid it out for us, because the Bible is not a science textbook. And when you make the Bible into a science textbook, you demean the Bible. All right? Because you've, how many times have I said to you, the Bible speaks on multiple levels, multiple levels. Science books don't speak on multiple levels, but the Bible speaks on multiple levels. And so now today we're going to continue in the Sermon on the Mount as God, Jesus, tells us, again, how we are to pray. So... If you turn to your Bibles, Matthew uh, chapter 6, as we do the Our Father, and we've gone through sections of the Our Father, verse 9, this then is how you should pray. And we've gone through the first part of this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And that's where we're on today. Give us today our daily bread. And well, this lesson is about demonstrating to you that when Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread, it again is a multi-level prayer. Give us this day, today, not for tomorrow, today. What I need for today, bread, Bread representing every possible physical need, emotional need that you have. Bread, housing, money, shelter, relational issues. Give us this day our daily bread. But bread, I'm going to demonstrate in this lesson, also means spiritual food. Not just physical sustenance, but spiritual sustenance. And uh, give us this day. Our daily need not our daily wants how many of us have forgotten that this is not about your wants you have a long list of wants okay a long list and honestly God looks at that list and I'm sure he smiles but it's not that's not your needs and I'm going to demonstrate to you today as we do this lesson that this is all about God giving you what you need and not a minute more than what you need. And so we need to understand stand this. So as you see this prayer, you see that the first part, the first half of the Lord's Prayer is all the acknowledgment of God's power. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Holy, holy, holy art thou, uh, and, and you see the, the whole essence of, of, of praying. Uh, your kingdom come. We, we understand that we need God's kingdom here on earth. Your kingdom come uh, on earth. Your will be done. Your will, God. We know that your will is being opposed in this world that we live in. We know that. And so all these prayers, before we get to give us this day, give me what I need, God. The first part of the prayer is I worship you I recognize who you are you are the holiest of the holy Please bring your will to this world conform my will to your will line me up God so that I'm lined up with you and your will bring the kingdom here you see all those prayers you haven't even gotten to God Lord I need a hundred bucks you understand you haven't even gotten to that part you're praying on your knees to conform yourself, your world, to his will. This is an important lesson. As you understand, the greatest prayer ever made, why it's so significant. And so our whole, our whole life is tied up. Jesus has tied up our whole life in this prayer. And so that's why this prayer is so amazing, that the, he has understood where this prayer needs to align itself with what God's will is. And so this request here, our daily bread, includes all the necessities of life. Everything, food, clothing, home, job, physical necessities. But it does not include the superfluous things. Carla, would you open up that one of those bottles of water for me? Thank you. It does not include the superfluous things. God does not want you to have those things that you don't need those things that are not critical, those things that are your wants. Thank you. That's not, what, that's not what this is about. And so, as we begin to understand this, I want to take you through Scripture, as I like to do, take you through Scripture and give you a pretext about understanding what prayer is about. Now, turn to Matthew chapter 7. This is Jesus telling you what happens when you pray. Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, find, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Now, Jesus is speaking there spiritually. When you seek the Lord Jesus, when you ask God to come into your heart, And seek salvation. That's exactly what he's saying. But it's multi-level. You understand? Jesus doesn't just speak on one level. He continues. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give the good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts... To those who ask him he'll give it to you that's his promise he'll give you what you need that's Jesus promise you who are evil and we should have no argument with that you who are evil know how to give good things to your kids well imagine how God is who is our father who we have pledged ourselves to him how much he wants to take care of you and so when you understand this the God God loves you and wants to give you things and will answer your prayers, you understand how we can, we can go through this prayer and say, uh, give us this day our daily bread. And so, to me, understanding the context of this, uh, there's three things that this tells me in this prayer. It tells me, first, we must be God's children before we can come to God. You want to ask God for answered prayer? Well, the first thing you need to do is be a child of God. You have no connection with God but through Jesus Christ. Amen? That's your connection. That's your telephone line. It's Jesus Christ. And if you're not connected with Jesus Christ, then I'm sorry to tell you, you have no telephone exchange. That's it. And it's not my opinion. Okay? I wish I could tell you, well, you know, there's a lot of ways of looking at it. Yeah, there are a lot of ways of looking at it, but there's only one way when you read the Bible. I'm giving you biblical truth. So the first thing is you need to be a child of God. And then ask God's children, ask God's children, we are invited to come. He's inviting. He wants you to come. He's asking you to come. He's asking you to make these requests. Come to him in that way. And then third, God delights to answer, actually delights to answer uh, our needs. And so uh, what an incredible picture we see here. Give us this day our daily bread. Asking our Father, our Father delighting to answer us. Our needs, not our wants, our needs. And so God wants to deliver, he wants to give us food one day at a time. Moment to moment okay don't get caught up on what's coming around the bend don't get caught up about what's coming on around the bend God wants you to live one day at a time moment to moment I'm going to give you scripture that's gonna buttress that and so uh, when we make this prayer when we make this prayer give us this day our daily bread the bread is not merely physical bread the prayer is also, give me the spiritual nourishment I need. God's concerned about your physical body, but He's more concerned about your soul. He's more concerned that you be uh, lifted up and nourished spiritually, because God knows you live in this evil world. And so He wants to make sure you're fortified. And so this is about spiritual nourishment as well. And so we come to Christ fulfilling. For spiritual food and we recognize that our as christians when we do that we live as if we were a bottle of perfume when we get filled when god has filled us with spiritual food we as a bottle of perfume give off the fragrance of jesus christ to the world that's exactly what it is that's exactly how this is supposed to be wherever you go whoever you're with there's something different about you The fragrance of Jesus Christ is given off. And what we find is that you must share that food that you've been given, that experience with Jesus Christ. You have to pray for others. You have to demonstrate to others what Jesus has done to you. And as you've done that, as you do this, as you tell them and speak to them and give off this fragrance, God continues to refill you and fill you and fill you this is the kind of the life basis the spiritual life basis that god wants us to to uh adhere to now let's get some biblical wisdom about daily bread turn with me to proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30, this was a prayer that my father made, verse 8, this was a prayer that my father made almost every day of his life, and I never really understood it until I got older. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8, keep falsehood and lies far from me, give me neither poverty nor Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of God. Amen. Is that a great prayer? Lord, don't make me rich. Don't make me poor. I'm pretty sure we got the second part of that prayer down pat. Lord, don't make me poor. Rich, I can handle it. I can handle it. I'll be able to handle it. And yet here's the thing. He knows that you probably can't handle it. This is one of the great truths that you come to realize as a Christian as you get older. The fact is, if you were rich, if you really had great wealth, you had great affluence, would you be here in this church today? That's for you to answer. Not me, you and God. Or would you be so in love with the things of the world, the possessions of the world? Would you be on world uh, vacations, going places and have homes in the most exotic locales, and and be out, uh, you know, titillating your senses in every possible way, going wherever you want? And by the way, whatever's left over, yeah, I've got it. I'll take care of God. But God knows, God knows, I believe in God. And yet you see what happens. Oh, what a great prayer that is. Give me neither poverty nor riches. That's the prayer. God, don't let me lose my zest, my zeal for you. Let me be able to prioritize my, my life. And you understand this. What a great prayer this is. And, and, and he goes on to say, why? 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 Well, otherwise I may have too much and disown you. <laughs> yes. You're caught up in the riches of this world. It's like the rich young man. Remember, he came to Jesus. Lord, what do I want to do? I want to serve you. Oh, Jesus saw right through him. Give everything you have to the poor and come take up your cross and follow me. Ooh, oh, 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 I can't do that. No, you know, I can't do that. You see, that's what happens when, it's your, when your riches become so, so involved with your life that you're in love with them. This is what daily bread is about. That's why your daily bread does not include you necessarily getting a gigantic stock portfolio. If God deems to give you that, because he knows that you're you're a Christian and you will give a significant portion of that wealth away for the advancement of the kingdom, and he knows it will not confuse you or will misdirect you, well then praise God if God has done that for you. But if he has not, well then praise God anyway. Because look what what the... uh, the Bible writer here, Agar, says then about not, not giving me poverty. Why not? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of, of God. In other words, if I'm so poor, I'm so destitute, I may wind up doing things that will dishonor the testimony that I have for the Lord Jesus. And so God, give me my daily bread, Give me what I need each day to sustain myself, Lord. Give me what I need so that I can be the kind of Christian in this world that you want me to be. You understand what it means to say, "Give, Lord, give me this day our daily bread. What a great prayer that is. And all these things that I'm giving you as I'm outlining daily bread, all of this is implicit within Jesus' prayer. Now turn with me to Isaiah 33. Just a few pages further towards the New Testament. Isaiah 33. Verse 14. And let me set this up. The Assyrians, that evil people that God allowed to come against Israel from time to time, the Assyrians and their leader, Sennacherib, is now approaching Jerusalem with 185,000 warriors and they plan to wipe out Israel, to destroy them. And so, what you understand here now is the prayer that's being made here in Isaiah 33, verse 14. The sinners in Zion are terrified, trembling grips the godless. Who of us can dwell with the consuming fire? Who of us can dwell with everlasting burning? He who walks righteously and speaks what is right and rejects gain from extortion and keeps his hand from accepting bribes, who stops his ears against plots of murder and shuts his eyes against contemplating evil he is the man this is the man who will dwell on the heights whose refuge will be the mountain fortress his bread will be supplied and water will not fail him you want your daily bread you want your daily bread then the part of the responsibility for you is to live a righteous life when you live a righteous life when your life is in accord with god's will then when you do this you can stand amongst the fire of god you can stand on the evil days you can stand during times of judgment and through difficult times and god will provide for you he will give you your daily bread but but the question becomes are you leading a righteous life are you trying to put your your will in conformity with god's will and you see that here you understand what's going on here and it's incredible Incredible chapter. Now, this chapter, this chapter speaks about judgment on those who seek to destroy God's people. That's what this is about. The enemy of God's people. And just like the Israelites had the Assyrians, you have your Assyrians today. You live in a world full of Assyrians. Make no mistake about it. Okay? When we read the scripture, even though it talks about the Assyrians in the scripture, the Assyrians are alive today. The demon world is alive today and well in this world, and you are living there. And So the immediate application in this verse was for the Assyrians, um, but the application for you today is your world. Your world. What you need to do is you ask God for your daily bread, and part of your daily bread is protection. That's part of your daily bread. Lord, protect me. Give me my daily bread. That's that's part part and parcel of protection. And so understand that this this is the assyrians approaching making the approach against the people of god uh and and how serious this is and so this is an important uh, aspect for us to understand what happens so as the assyrians are heading to jerusalem hezekiah and isaiah go before the sanctuary go into the temple And lay the letter of Sennacherib. Lay the letter of Sennacherib before God in humility and say, God, we are going to be destroyed. Help us. There are 185,000 Assyrians at the gate. And they're going to wipe out Israel. They're going to wipe us out. And as you see that, you understand this prayer. This prayer, and God answers this prayer. God answers this prayer, and it's an astonishing way that God speaks about this. And so God effectively tells them, God tells them that he will destroy the 185,000 Assyrians before they fire a single arrow into Jerusalem. Can you believe that? They will not fire a single arrow into Jerusalem. And the Assyrians were such bitter foes that when they came to other countries, it was routine for people to commit suicide. They would commit suicide rather than face the scourge of the Assyrians. And so here they have the humility, just saying, Lord, Lord, protect us. Give us your, our daily bread, Lord. Protect us. Laying it there before God, the prophet and the king. Humbly asking God. And what did God do? It's unbelievable what God did. God said, I will destroy them. And that night, that night before the Assyrians fired a single arrow into the camp, God sent the angel out. And single-handedly, this angel killed 185,000 Assyrians. Wiped them out. Wiped them out. Unbelievable. Killed them. This is noted in history. You know, a lot of people don't understand how it happened. Well, we know how it happened. We understand how it happened. It's the prayer of God to give us our daily bread. And, and so you understand, you begin to understand how significant this issue is. How God, how God has, has promised to protect us. And how much this protection means when you see God, when you see God doing this, raising up and lifting up and, and, and speaking on our behalf And so the people panicked. The Assyrians are coming. They're coming. We have no way out, God. We're not going to make it. But Hezekiah went with Isaiah into the house of the Lord and spread the letter out. Lord, it's not our fight. It's your fight. And that's what you need to say. When you have these issues in your life, when you're a Christian, when you're serving God and these things come your way, you just have to say, God, I submit. Oh, that's the word we have to understand. Submit submit in every possible way God I submit I'll do what you want if this is what you want me to suffer if I need to go through this because this is what you want me to go through Lord I will go through it give me the understanding but Lord I ask you if it's not in your will protect me and he'll protect you he'll protect you he'll answer that prayer he'll give you that he'll wipe out the 185,000 Assyrians and so you understand that God God is a fire. God is a consuming fire. And we understand this from the scripture. When God appeared to Moses, what did he come from? Where did he speak to him from? The bush, the burning bush. Remember, take your sandals off. The ground you are standing on is holy. God is a consuming fire. We see in Isaiah, uh, in chapter 6, we won't read it, but in there in Isaiah chapter 6, says, is Isaiah, said, Woe unto me, I am unclean. And in that vision that he had, God took the coals of fire and touched his lips. That the very fire of God would touch him. And then in Revelations, we see in Revelations chapter 1, when we speak about Jesus, it says that Jesus' eyes are like the flames of fire. When you see Jesus now as the Lion of Judah, when he's preparing in his role to come back and to redeem this fallen world. And so the only way, the only way you can survive these things is to become like fire yourself. Fire survives fire. And so as you pray for your daily bread, as you ask God to lift you up, to give you the needs, what you need to do is conform your life, to live a righteous life, to live in accordance with God's will. All right. Don't think you can recklessly live any kind of life you want and then have absolute immediate access to God and God will answer as you just like it's room service it's a two-way street God is looking for you to be the kind of servant that he wants you to be to live a life that's in accord and you'll say to me well I can't live that kind of life I'm a weak man yes nobody's weaker than I am but it's through the Holy Spirit through the Holy Spirit that he strengthens you and raises you up and you begin to understand what this is like and so what you understand From this, as you begin to see, give us this day our daily bread, God is speaking to you. You hope to be developed Christian spiritual maturity. You begin to see the big picture of what God is doing in your life. Not what you want, not what you'd like to have, but what God wants you to have, what God has determined that you need. This is a critical issue, what God has determined that you need. And this is one of the things that we have to understand as we come to understand God's will in our life. We have so many prayer requests. Oh, God, you don't answer my prayers. You know what? Maybe it's a good thing he hasn't answered those prayers. Maybe it's a good thing he hasn't answered those prayers. Who knows if he had given in to those requests that you have where you would have deviated where you would have gone where your spiritual life would have been how you would have eroded your testimony and he knows that you don't because god sees down the bend of the road you have enough time seeing to the corner and so let's begin to understand a spiritual application for daily bread again another application turn with me to exodus chapter 16. this is a very deep subject which we will go on to, not just this week, but next week. Exodus chapter 16. And so here we have the Jewish people. They've come out of Egypt. God has delivered them 400 years of slavery, 400 years of being beaten, 400 years of being in the brick pits, building the pyramids, being abused, dying. 400 years, and God rescues them. He rescues them. He brings out 2 million people. He takes them out of Egypt, led by Moses. And so now as they're traveling out of Egypt, now now lessons need to be given. These people who have no idea really, no idea really, because they've lived in Egypt for 400 years, no idea about how, how holy God really is, God is now going to begin to give them lessons. And so as we begin to look at this, turn Turn to Isaiah, excuse me, Exodus 16 and begin reading verse one. the whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sim, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. So this is about five or six weeks after coming out of Egypt in the desert. The whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Oh, you got to love them. <laughs> Don't you? you got to love them. Five, six weeks ago, they were in the brick pits being whipped, being beaten in slavery. Now they're free with the Jewish community. God has taken them, across the Red Sea. He's opened the Red Sea. All right, he's given them water when they needed water. Now, Moses, what have you done for me lately? All right, I, I'm telling you, Moses is one of the most extraordinary human beings the world has ever seen. Why Moses didn't get on his knees and just say, God, wipe them out? <laughs> wipe them out. Start with me. In fact, God said that at one time to him. He said that to Moses. You know what? I'm going to wipe them out because he wanted to see how how Moses would react because if I were Moses, I would say, yes, good. Let's do that. Let's do that because I can't stand the complaints. These people have no perspective of what you've done for them. None whatsoever. None. I mean, can can you picture this? All right, they're grumbling. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Oh, it would have been so much better to die there. It was nice there. Really, the whips weren't so bad. The brick pits, really, when I think of it, they were kind of warm on our feet. I mean, honestly, do you begin to wonder? I mean, imagine this is coming before you as God. This is coming before God. God. Wouldn't you wipe them out? Do you realize what a great God we have? You understand? And put yourself into perspective how many times God has blessed you and blessed you and blessed you your whole life, your whole life, and then you hit a skid, and what do you say? Oh, God, you've abandoned me. But what about those 50, 60, 70 years I was with you every step of the way, and now you have a little bit of a test, and this is what you do? Oh, God, give us our daily bread, our daily bread. Understand how God is speaking to us. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate the food we wanted. Yes, we were getting beat. Yes, we were in the breakfast, but we had a decent meal. I mean, you know, we sat and we left. We laugh with the perspective that we look at, but imagine the grumbling. I've just taken you through the Red Sea. I've opened the Red Sea up, and I know, I know, we have all kinds of scientific explanations. I know, well, the Red Sea wasn't really deep, wasn't, It wasn't that wide. You know, I laugh when I see these programs on TV. Well, all I know then, if it were two inches deep, all of Pharaoh's army drowned in two inches of water. (laughs) Can I get an amen on that? To me, that's an even bigger miracle, okay? That's an even bigger miracle, two inches of water. I just laugh. I turn those programs off, you know? These supposed scientific explanations that are meaningless. Would have been better if we died by the Lord's hand. Then we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us, you have brought us to this desert to starve, this entire assembly to death. Can you imagine Moses? Oh, Moses, and I just sitting there, Moses, God bless you, Moses. And so then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. Got it? Enough for that day. I will give them their daily bread. Yes, you are here in a wilderness. Yes, there's no supply line. Yes, there's no Publix. There's no way to get food. Nobody in his right mind would bring two million people out here without a supply train. But I will demonstrate now and forevermore to the world that this is how God provides. I will give you enough food to take care of your daily wants, what you need for the day. And then he says, continuing in that verse, in this way, I will test them. You understand? I will test them. That's what God's saying to you. This is multi-level. He's not only testing them. He's testing you. Will you be satisfied with what he gives you today? Will you trust him in what he gives you today? Will you be satisfied with how he answers your prayer? Will you respect his will in your life? I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. Whether they will follow my instructions. Well, how many people think they will follow his instructions? No, they won't follow his instructions. That's exactly what it is. They'll continue to have their own human will. So turn with me to verse 11. Continuing on, the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. I'm going to give you meat, and I'm going to give you bread. I'm going to give you both. That evening quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? Underline, what is it? Because if you look up in a Hebrew Bible, manna, the definition of manna is, what is it? That's exactly what it is. What is it? We don't know. But it looks a lot like bread that just falls from heaven. It's an amazing story. All right? Amazing story. And you see that. So when the dew was gone, the flakes fell. The thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. As much as he needs. Not as much as he wants, as much as he needs. I'm giving you the authority and the power and the judgment that you will get what you need. This is your daily bread. Here is the first explanation, spiritual explanation of daily bread. And Jesus is going to refer back to this. What you need. Continuing. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer, which was a container for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. Why did some gather much? Because some had greater needs. Some had bigger families. Some had to feed more people. God did it by the household. They needed more. God gave them more for their needs. And when they measured it by the omer, he who gathered much did not have too much. And he who gathered little did not have too little can you see God's hand can you imagine God dispensing every day exactly what you need not too much not too little God don't make me poor God don't make me rich here it is your daily bread give us this day our daily bread you understand what your daily bread then Moses said to them no one is to keep any of it until morning there it is rule number one Get what you have, go out and get it, eat it, but you're not to keep it until morning. You eat it at night. That's what God is telling you to do. Alright? No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, and I love the howevers, <laughs> the Bible is full of howevers, and we have a bunch of howevers in our own lives as we cont- try to do our best to confound God's will in our life. Oh God, I know you kind of lead me in this way, but I think I know a little bit better about my own needs. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until the morning. And what happened? It was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Now, understand why this is a problem. You're traveling with two million people. Two million people. Can you imagine being out in the desert with rotting food? All right. Just think, just think of, of, of the disease, the potential disease and disaster of this, as God had given clear instructions how this needed to be operational. Each morning, each morning, everyone gathered as much as he needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. And on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded, tomorrow is to be a day of rest a holy Sabbath. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save what is left and keep it till the morning. So when the Sabbath day came, God had provided. You don't have to go out and work on that seventh day. I'll take care of you. You don't need to go and get that extra job. I want you to go to church. I want you to worship with people. I'll take care of you. I'm going to give you on that day double what you would need so that your daily bread will take care of you because I know what you need. Do you understand the application in your life? Do you see how this is multi-level as God is explaining what our daily bread is all about, the Holy Sabbath and how he he wanted them on that day not to be worried about going out and finding food and working for food, how he wanted them instead to be in the sanctuary and to worship. So they saved it until morning, as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. And eat it today, Moses said. And so you understand exactly what is going on here. And here, this is the picture. This went on for 40 years. 40 years. Can you imagine? You're worried about your daily bread, your puny needs. You think God You think God doesn't know about you. You think God doesn't know what you need? Look at what he did. There's two million Jews out in the desert without food, without bread, without meat, without water. And what does he say? I'll give them every day exactly what they need for the day. And I'll do it for 40 years. Now, theologians have studied what this was like. How much food was this? What exactly was going on? Well, they estimate that God would have had to give 4,500 tons of bread a day. 4,500 tons a day. Another way of looking at it is, is this. Imagine a train with 30 container cars. You got it? 30 container cars. It would have taken... 10 trains with 30 container cars a day to supply this amount of food lord do you care about me are you going to give me my daily bread look at what he did it's astonishing when you see this and so we're going to end at this point because this part of the lesson is about the physical need the physical bread but we're going to show you how jesus speaks to this example elevates it and says it demonstrates also how man does not live on bread alone and how it's bread of God the spiritual bread of God as you begin to understand this prayer from Jesus Lord give us this day our daily bread and you begin to see how God has begun to show you from the Old Testament right through to the new how he has done this in every aspect of of our lives and how he promised you he will not abandon you let's close in prayer Lord Jesus, we're so grateful for the, for the lesson that you've given us, for the words you've brought to our hearts. Lord, we are humbled when we see how much you love us and care for us, Lord. How you've promised to take care of our, our daily needs, our daily bread. Lord, help us to submit to your will. Help us to be patient. Help us to understand that when we make these prayers, that you'll give us what we need. Not what we want, but what we need. Lord, help us to understand this. Give us the wisdom to accept it as well. Now, Lord, I ask you that you bless these dear people this coming week. Protect them in everywhere that they go. Be with them, Lord. And now we ask you that you bless the service to come. You bless our our pastor so that he can deliver the message that we need. We put all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.